0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroth, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
2: It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisco. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you.
1: Hey there, Bengals fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast with jake and joe at JakeNFL at joe goodberry on twitter just giving you that reminder because mailbag friday is coming up and i just wanted to give you all the heads up that you should start getting those questions in we had like 40 come in last week and if you want your question to get answered get it in sooner than later and we'll start taking those down another reminder to when you get in your car tell your smart device to play podcast locked on bengals and get us going for your commute we'll keep you company just about every day so we're just going to jump right into the combine here, Joe. We have measurements for offensive linemen. And weirdly, there are a few quarterbacks in the mix today. We're not going to talk about them. We have the offensive linemen measurements of note. Talking about tackles, talking about a few guards, a few of the guys that we've talked about in our Mock Draft Monday episodes. The couple that uh, first jump off the page at me are... Well, first we'll talk about Jonah Williams. His arms come in at 33 and 5 eighths inches, which is above... <laughs> the average starter in the NFL, but below that top 10 mark, that top 10 offensive tackle mark of 34 inches that personnel guys around the NFL often cite. And, and some people, I think Tom McShay today tweeted, they're looking for, for 34 34 and a half.
2: half. Yeah. which,
1: Which is crazy because looking through this list, there's like three guys on that list,
2: but it does have an effect. And we talked about this before about, I still feel the same exact way about Jonah Williams that I did before. I think he passed the threshold I'm looking for, which is 33 and a half. And when you look at half the starters of offensive tackles in the league have 33 and a half inch arms, you feel good. That should be the threshold as pass rushers are getting shorter. I think offensive linemen are getting shorter more uh, and more athletic to counter them. And because of it, their arms are getting shorter. So for me, 33 and a half is what you want uh, at the, at the minimum. And he passes that by a little bit over it, but also, the second part to these numbers are that you don't just throw them away. It's now it changes where you can value a player. And when guys like Jawan Taylor and Greg Little measure it ideally like freaks, it's going to push them up and it's going to drop uh, Jonah Williams down for a lot of teams that are going to hold on to these old thresholds. And the Bengals used to be one of them. I remember when Lael Collins was coming out and he had shorter than ideal arms. He was viewed as a guard by the Bengals. So it'll be interesting to watch Jonah Williams and see if that same same trend continues with Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, and just talking about guys that are going to come up the board based on their measurements potentially. Jawan Taylor measured in at six five three twelve. His arms were thirty five and one eighths inches. Woo. Greg Little, virtually identical, six five two eighths inches. So just a just a hair taller, two pounds lighter. Uh h- bigger hands, if that matters, for linemen, and 35 and 28 inches. So very, very similar. Uh Greg Little and Juwan Taylor. Cody Ford also comes in with 34 inch arms, which I found interesting.
2: He had the best measurement of these guys in terms of a lot of people viewed him as a potential guard. They thought there was a chance that he had shorter arms. Um, he comes out with 34, knocks it out. I think a lot of teams are gonna say, okay, he's a tackle. And based on his one year of starting, there's upside with him. And I can see him going top
1: 15 easily now. Yeah. And there are actually quite a few interior guys that also hit that 34 inch mark, including Chris Lindstrom, Elton Jenkins. uh, Actually, that's it. Garrett Bradbury, who a lot of people like as an agile center, I believe. Uh, 31 and 6 eighths inches. So quite short. the interesting about Bad Bradbury is everyone
2: likes him because he's a reach block, zone blocking center. And when you've got those short arms, it makes it much harder to get to those reach blocks. Uh, but we knew his arm length from the senior bowl. It's still, once you match him up with all these guys and see everyone next to him, it was an issue with Billy Price, and he had 32. So Bradbury is even lower than Price in terms of arm length. Uh, it's going to be a concern for some teams. Some teams are going to write him off because of it, and he should definitely be there in the second round. But also we should note that these are just the measurements there are still some athletic testing that are very important for offensive tackle and offensive linemen, and that's still to come, and I think that's on Friday.
1: Yeah, and we'll see how some of these guys test in those events. In particular, uh, those first guys we talked about, Cody Ford, Greg Little, Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams. For Bengals fans, those are all very interesting ones to talk about. Another one, uh, or last week. NFL.com published a list of players that they suggested each team's fan should keep an eye on at the combine to see how they measure, to see how they test. And for the Bengals, it was USC offensive tackle Chuma Adoga, who weighed in at 308. So a bit heavier. Yep. A bit heavier than we were expecting. I think he was listed at 295 at USC. And arm length was. 34 and six eighths inches. So long arms. He's been described in scouting reports. I've seen as having vines for arms. And another website actually said he had 36 and six eighths inches arms, which doesn't seem possible. Uh, so I'm pretty sure it was 34 and six eighths inches. That's from uh, who? who's the guy Charles Robinson.
2: Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. And I would say Adoga can put himself in the second round if he athletically tests like a freak also. He looks like one, but if he tests that way, he's going to push himself up a little bit. For me, it's Greg Little of Ole Miss for Bengals fans to keep an eye on. If Juwan Taylor solidifies himself as a top 10 tackle and maybe tackle number one, he's not going to be there at 11. And it's going to be after that, the Bengals will decide if Jonah Williams is a guard, they'll decide if Cody Ford's a guard. For me, the next pure tackle is Greg Little. And if the Bengals want a tackle, and if Greg Little passes the athletic measurements next, don't be surprised if he's considered a, a top twelve pick or in that range for this poor Cincinnati.
1: And then some of those double dip guys, you know, could could be Adoga. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the measurements I actually pulled are for interior lineman. So Galliard was the center from Georgia. Yep, uh, he came in at thirty three and a uh, th- thirty three and a half. Lindstrom interior lineman from Boston college, 34 and one eighth and Elton Jenkins, Mississippi state center, 34 inch. So, uh, it's your guy for
2: Jenkins, by the way.
1: Right. And you, you really like Nate Davis from Charlotte. He came I in do. at 33 and one eighth, but he's a guard. So we're probably fine with that number. Pure guard. Yeah,
2: we are. He's definitely a guard. He played tackle at Charlotte, but, uh, just his, his body type and makeup. He's a guard.
1: And just, Because this arm length thing is the discussion today, big, big point of conversation for those of you following the combine closely. We have a list of successful NFL tackles with arms 34 inches or or short, sorry, shorter than 34 inches. And it's a pretty good list. I mean, it starts with Hall of Famer to be or yeah, to be Joe Thomas, Jason Peters, Donald Penn, Dwayne Brown, Joe Staley. Uh, Matt White, who played for the Patriots, Jordan Gross, Taylor Lewan, still in the NFL, Brian Bulaga, Ryan Ramzik, Jake Matthews, Marcus Gilbert, Mitchell Schwartz. So a long list of very successful tackles with arms under 34 inches long. And this goes back to the thing Joe talked about earlier. Uh, It's going to affect the perception by NFL teams. Some of these measurements might push Jonah Williams down. It might push uh, Taylor and Little up but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to have an impact on how they play in the NFL, or it might be a less pronounced impact.
2: Yeah. And the two guys that you named right there are going to be who Jonah Williams is compared to the most. And that's Joe Staley and, um, Jake Matthews. And when you look at how it affected their draft stock, uh, Staley went 28th pick in the first round. Matthews, I want to say it was 14 or 15. He was right with C.J. Mosley in the middle of the first round. So it it affected both of those guys. I don't think Williams goes as far as 28 where Staley went, but I do think it could be a situation where he's he's still there at 12, 13, 14, 15 for the next uh, group of teams because of this, because there are going to be a large group of teams that are still going to view him as a guard because of it uh, because of their old standards. And, and that's fine. We, we have these standards for a reason because, um, more players will have success if they're, if they pass these
1: thresholds. And in that 2007 draft for Joe Staley, he went behind Joe Thomas, who went third overall with his less than 34 inch arms. And then Levi Brown went fifth overall to the Cardinals. There were only four offensive linemen picked in the 2007 first round. Ben Grubbs went one pick after Staley to Baltimore, the guard.
2: And I was wrong on Jake Matthews. Um, you know, Obviously, there was two Matthews brothers. Uh, but Jake Matthews went sixth pick in 2014 NFL draft. So it did not affect him. I'm incorrect on that previous statement.
1: So we'll see. we'll see how they test athletically. We'll see how it affects teams' perceptions. I think that some teams might feel like with those guys at the top, maybe you can't go wrong. I think there is probably a step down to little just from tape compared to Williams and Taylor. Taylor also played right guard at Florida, so I don't know. That might be a knock for some guys. It might seem as your traditional right tackle who doesn't, you know, profile for the outside zones and and the moving and pulling that's getting popular in the NFL. But we'll see how they test athletically. And and it was a pretty good day, I think, for most of these guys. Is there anybody who stood out for you on the negative end that, that measured poorly? No, I mean besides the, there were some guys that we knew. Um, for me,
2: one Caleb McGarry, he's a tackle from um, Washington, and he looks like a tackle. He's athletic, he's mean. I, I think he could play it, but when you have thirty-two inch arms, 30, you know, you're sub thirty-three, you're gonna get moved to guard. And I didn't think he looked guard even in the few, or look good at guard in the few snaps at the Senior Bowl, and so that doesn't help him at all. I think. Also, for Jonah, we should mention that he was 302 pounds, which doesn't help also. You'd like a guy to be a little bit bigger than that. So these are just measurements, day one. And I, I, I wanted to say, you mentioned the couple quarterbacks that measured in. That's because you got to have someone to take a snap from the center when they go through drills. So those two quarterbacks will be the ones doing that.
1: There were four. One of them was Brett Ripien. I think he has small hands.
2: I think it's two with each group. I'm sorry. That's okay. why.
1: So that's your combine summary today. We'll get into actually the press conferences. Those are both, I think they're both up on Bengals.com. They were, they were live streamed as well. Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor each got 15 minutes on the podium today. Zach Taylor has a bunch of uh, coach speak. Duke Tobin had some interesting things to say. Uh, And I know the reporters, all the beat reporters talked to both of those guys after they went off the podium too. So you can expect that there might be some quotes that weren't in those press conferences that come out in their respective pieces. That'll be coming out tonight, tomorrow. So we'll be back after a quick break to talk about those press conferences and just revisit the John Ross conversation from yesterday.
0: Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q host of the locked on Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple: you put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is
3: Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
0: Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music.
3: What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like Jay Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game but changed their life it's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry it's like you set up to fail and there's so many moments where you can win and the winning is great but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win and so much more who tell the stories about the first hits that took them to the next level changed their life overlooked to being overbooked when I was recording the song I already knew it was gonna be a global hit and I'm not joking my G I really felt it inside of me I was like I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon music. Let's go.
2: Welcome back to the lockdown Bengals podcast. It's day one of the NFL scouting combine. We had Duke Tobin GM of the Cincinnati Bengals and head coach Zach Taylor at the podium back to back 11 and 1130. Uh, I thought we got some good discussion from them. They came out instantly, especially Duke Tobin instantly came out and shot down the John Ross trade rumors we'll talk about that at length a- after this but you know he, we knew that question would come up we knew he would answer that right away and he he shot it down as quick as possible but uh, the general questions of how do you feel or how do you how do you think you, you will, will attack the quarterback position i think when he talked about that almost unanimously the candidates they brought in to be head coach uh, back to Andy Dalton, we're excited about Andy Dalton. I think we've talked about this. I wouldn't expect anything less from him for what he would say, but how the coaches would feel towards Andy Dalton. He is a guy you can rely on for all the all the aspects of coach values. So um, that wasn't a surprise to me. I, I think if anything, uh, Tobin was candid and and talking about uh, you know the receivers and and the step Tyler Boyd took and, and how Zach Zach Taylor's the guy and how he feels him and uh, Dalton will mesh. Uh, what did you take from it, Jake?
1: There are a couple of things that I took from it. First and foremost, of course, is, is the John Ross stuff. Uh, really putting that to bed for me, for at least for now, and we'll come back to that topic. It is a big one in everybody's mind, but I love it when Duke Tobin gets in front of the press because I think he's a great interview. I think he's a thoughtful guy. I think he usually gives pretty insightful answers to questions from reporters. And he does a really good job also as someone who can't always hear the questions. He, he restates the questions. And I really appreciate that. So Duke Tobin is a great interview. So it's always fun to watch him talk. The other thing was how much different it is to see Zach Taylor talk to the media than it is Marvin Lewis. And we've seen this before. And we're getting a bit of a refrain from from Taylor at this point. He's saying a lot of the same stuff and he's laying on a lot of coach speak, but he's smiling. He has energy. So that's refreshing, if nothing else. He also seems to really believe in his coaches. And this is, there are a couple things that came out of this that I think are perceptions that we have that are very different from the perceptions in the building. And first off, his coaches, and, and they still have to prove it to me, but Zach Taylor Seems to really love his hires. And of course he's going to say it, but for whatever reason, I believe him a little bit. And the other thing is, when Duke Tobin was talking about Andy Dalton in that quote, you said, this has been actually a pretty recurrent theme from people inside the NFL that speak highly of Andy Dalton. And it is, I think, for the reasons you said. And and it's just this consistent, we like Andy Dalton, we being people that work in the NFL, more than you like Andy Dalton, you being fans and evaluators who are sitting at home or working a pro football focus or whatever it is.
2: And that's because I think you know what to expect from him. Uh, he's an easy evaluation, which I think one of the hard parts or maybe the hardest part is having an unknown at quarterback, and it doesn't allow you to evaluate the rest of the team. I think when, when you have stability at quarterback, even if he's not maybe a top-ten guy, um, knowing what you get, knowing how to game plan with him, and knowing what talent he needs around him to succeed it allows you to build and evaluate the rest of the roster much easier, and I, that's a that's a value to coaches. I think that's even a value to personnel people, even though they may view it um, slightly different than a coach would. Uh, but I, you know, when Tobin, I, I also liked how Duke Tobin talked about. Um, the college game getting really close to the NFL game. And I think everyone agrees and can see it. And I see that's why we're in a bit of a transition period with not only players, but how the game is, is called and played uh, on the field. And then also him talking about, uh, the number one trade he looks for in defensive linemen is pass rush ability. And that he wants them to get after the pass rusher first. Basically that makes sense, right? If you're a nickel 70% of the time, and he mentioned this also, if you need to build that unit first, you need to build pass rushers first, and then you'll stop the run afterwards. And, and it's almost an afterthought. But while it's important and they will focus on it, uh, stopping the run, you need pass rushers. And those those guys are going to get drafted first. They're going to be on the field the most. And, you know, I, it's refreshing to hear him say it because I felt like even though he's not the coach, Marvin Lewis, when he would say it, would be more reluctant and still rely on some of those old, Defensive coaching terms and stopping the run and having physical guys, downhill guys, things like that. That he, those tropes, he kept beating the drum on for years.
1: Yeah, and and it was really nice to hear Duke Tobin. I, I was going to mention some of the same things he talked about. Carl Lawson and how they found a guy who could pass rush. They found him in the fourth round. It kind of makes me think of the Ohio State tackle. Uh, jo- what's his name? Jones? Is it? Uh, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're on that, Dramont Jones. Yeah, Draymond
1: makes me think of him in terms of guys that can get after the pass rusher. Played a ton of snaps. Really productive pass rushers. Had some limitations in the run game. Um, yeah, I talked about being a nickel seventy percent of the time. He was the one that said that. You know, he's talking about something you've talked about quite a bit, which is that your nickel guys are your starters. So that's nice to hear that that open mindedness essentially coming from coming from the GM. GM. That feels yeah. nice to say. We're, we're saying it now. We're saying I also it now.
2: That, I also like that he said Joe Mixon is the focal point and this has been a launching point of what we're going to do on offense. So now here's a guy that's, that's understanding the passing game and the, and the importance of it and building around it, right? But at the same time, he realizes the type of back he has and that could potentially help much more in the passing game. And I think that's an area of Joe Mixon that still hasn't been unlocked fully. And if you do, you end up with a star player in the league.
1: One area to note, uh, when asked about Tyler Eifert, this was before the live stream kicked on, so I didn't see this myself, but apparently he sounded reluctant when discussing Tyler Eifert. You have that full quote from Jay? I do.
2: Yes, I'm pulling it up right now. This is from Jay Morrison of The Athletic, and Jay's got a full quote here from Duke Tobin, and he says, quote, We'll be talking to Tyler in the offseason and see if there is a fit for us going forward. He obviously is a talented guy, He's obviously a guy that can make a difference on your football team if he's on the field. I know he's frustrated, probably more so than than I could be or anybody else associated with it,
1: but he's a prideful guy, and I know he's going to work to get back on the field. I mean, it's not like a ringing endorsement. We're going to try to bring him back. He's a valuable player, but I think Tobin recognizes the impact he has when he's on the field. I think that he shares Tyler Eifert's and Bengals fans' frustrations with his ability to stay healthy, so... Something to keep an eye on doesn't sound like a sure thing. It sounds like maybe they'll try a similar offer. Uh, But they can't be very happy with how that went this year. They spent $5 million for a a game. And I think it'll
2: probably be even lower this year. Even if you gave him the same deal, his not likely to be earned uh, bonuses wouldn't count against your contract uh, because he only played five games, it was, I believe. So um, that number could even be even lower, even on the same deal. Yeah.
1: So, Zach Taylor also was on the podium today. I was able to watch the entire Zach Taylor press conference. I have the highlights on my Twitter account, at JakeNFL. There was a lot of coach speak. He was asked about some specific guys. He was asked about bringing in competition for Andy Dalton. And when that question was asked, he answered with... I hope all of our backups compete for starting jobs. That's what you want to see out of all the guys on your roster. We're going to treat the quarterback like any other position. So this is a little bit more open-minded than Marvin Lewis. I think when you would ask Marvin Lewis, are you going to bring in competition for Andy Dalton? He might just say, Andy's our guy. We're not looking at quarterbacks this year. And Pat Mahomes is sitting there at number 10 or 11. Uh, So maybe that's a little bit different, but it is still coach speak. Um, he was asked about Jesse Bates. I thought his inter- his answer on Jesse Bates was interesting. He's impressed with him as a player. He talks about him taking on an expanded leadership role or expecting him to take on an expanded leadership role just based on the quality of his play on the field. Thinks he's a pretty special guy out there at safety. And then he talked about John Ross. So maybe this is a point to transition to John Ross unless yep. anything else from that Zach Taylor conference caught your eye.
2: No, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to add that he studied John Ross when he was wide receiver coach um, for the Rams two years ago and liked him then, Um, and he believes he has a bright future with the Bengals. He's excited to work with them. So that's what you want to hear after a day of,
1: of the news cycle we just had. Yeah, and the exact quote from Taylor is, I remember studying studying his tape over there in Washington. He's a very exciting player. He's a guy you can move around and do a lot of different things with. He's got a very bright future with us. I know football is important to him, which is also something Duke Tobin said. He's got a lot of traits we're excited to work with, and we can't get around soon enough to be able to get our hands on some of those receivers and see what they can do in the system. He actually said May can't come around soon enough. So this quote is has been transcribed incorrectly but he's he he he's just excited to actually get on the field with some of these guys i think uh and and like joe said he he saw the tape on him when he was wide receivers coach so he might actually have some more familiarity with ross and just bengals film
2: so jake now we have the bengals a day after the report came out that they were open to trading him or will seek offers uh the bengals come out today and tear it down completely call it fake news Duke, Duke Tobin did and um said they're not looking to trade him and we talked about financially why it doesn't make sense why it doesn't make sense on many levels but we also uh the report originally uh, originated from Tony Pauline of draftanalyst.com and he said he would dive in a little bit more on his podcast later that night we had somebody on Twitter transcribe it a little bit for us and give us some more details and you have that right
1: Yeah, that's Dean at DD Merritt on Twitter. So thanks, Dean, for the summary. Thanks for listening. Neither of us had time to get to it. Uh, According to Dean, the podcast said that some sources said Cincinnati wasn't using him right and that there was too much thrown at John Ross early. So there could be a kernel of truth to that for sure. Uh, He says that Pauline reported that the new staff was open to moving Ross, which sure, maybe they said we're open to moving anybody on the roster kind of thing. But I think that would have been the response today when asked about John Ross, you know, they would say, you know, we're listening to offers on all of our players instead of, no, we're not trading him unequivocally. So, right. you know, I'm not sure how much is there. He said that he heard firsthand from Cincinnati people that John Ross won't be traded, but kind of said there's smoke, there's fire here. And he said that there's several teams interested, including Chicago who have inquired and uh, says, you know, maybe it'd be a third round pick uh, talks about Chicago's 24th, overall pick in the third round. And that's interesting because I think when we batted, batted the idea around, we
2: were expecting much less, fourth round being maybe the, the best case scenario. If it was a third, then maybe that would make the Bengals consider it uh, if that's how it went down. But did he also um, allude to that maybe a team called during the trade deadline last year,
1: or was I reading that from somewhere else? I, I thought that was uh, also in there. But uh, yeah, that was some. That was a conversation that was happening on Twitter today. I can't remember if that was Dean or somebody else who brought. that Yeah, up. I can't I, remember. Yeah,
2: but also it makes sense from the first two points of. Now I'm thinking maybe this came from the agent. Yesterday I was like, this is coming from the team. Now today, when you read that, it's um, they put too much on him, and uh, you know it, they weren't using him correctly. Well, a team doesn't ever say they're they're using a guy incorrectly. That's, in my opinion, could be coming from the agent. So. It's interesting from that perspective to look at it look at it that way, and it's funny because once this stuff starts coming around, people always want to offer information or 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 tell you what they're hearing. And for me today, I I got a message from someone in Denver that said, once this report was out, the Broncos reached out to Cincinnati and said, "Hey, you guys are trying to trade John Ross. What's going on? You know, we're interested, basically, or at least starting to be interested, at least inquiring." Um, And the Bengals shot them down, uh, not completely, but in terms of, you know, it's going to cost you what, more than what you're probably willing to pay. So I think at this point I feel comfortable. I have, I have calmed down on this. Anything can still happen. And the fact that any report gets out there means we, it should be on our radar But uh, after this response by the Bengals, I I feel much better about it.
1: Yeah, I guess at this point for me, it's it's something to keep an eye on, right? Like if it happens now, we won't be surprised. We'll be able to say, oh, yeah, they reported this might happen. And and then it did happen maybe or or maybe it won't. Maybe it's all smoke because like we talked about yesterday, I, I can't imagine a world in which it makes sense unless there's a much higher return for for Ross and I'm imagining there would be the tampa bay sb nation blog today said should the bucks be interested in john ross and they said yeah sure uh if it costs them a six-round pick and i'm like look if the bengals are, are gonna take on extra cap this year for a six-round pick there's something real wrong going on in paul brown stadium i don't think that's the case it sounds interesting to me that denver called and, and that chicago is another team that's been reportedly interested for a third round pick that you know, starts to get you interested. I don't think that you're taking on extra cap and moving on from a guy like John Ross, who just two years ago was your number nine overall pick for a third round pick. I don't think we're at that level yet because there is, like we've said, there is still some promise there. I'm also off the ledge. And right. That's how I
2: feel. I'm I'm off the ledge, but I'm still aware of the situation at this point. Um, And this was the point I, I wanted to bring up yesterday too, that, when you hear about sixth rounders, fifth rounders, I get to the point of, man, the, that team trading for John Ross, who who shouldn't do that, and I'm and I get to. It should be the Bengals trading for a John Ross. It should be the Bengals trading for these first-round picks that need a change of scenery by giving up a fifth-rounder. They used to do that, remember, a lot of times. Aaron Maben and, like, uh, what was the one, uh, uh, Derek Harvey, defensive end. And they all didn't work out. Jamal Anderson was another defensive end. They would do this and try and trade off these day-three picks for guys uh, for a chance of of talent and recovering their careers. And it worked out a few times. Yeah, Reggie Nelson. Reggie Nelson, a great example, and getting Brian Leonard for Orion Harris, a defensive tackle. So they did a lot of things in the past that really built that core of the roster. And now that they need to kind of rebuild some of it, this would be a move they should make. Instead, reports are they're going to do the opposite. So that was the biggest concern and a point we didn't get to touch on yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if there are other teams out there you want to trade your top ten pick because he's underachieved a little bit, just tell me who it is and and I'll give you a six round pick for him. We have we have yeah, four of them.
2: I'm interested in second round picks too. Any any premium pick you want to throw them away for a late day three? We've got five six rounders. Yeah, call up. We're we're interested. Is it five? I thought it was four. You all they got three compensatory picks. They oh they had the in, one in the trade and they got one for Ben Aben Wickery.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, just a couple other quick notes uh that came out of the press conference. Zach Taylor said that we should be expecting a list of hired coaches tomorrow, so we'll keep an eye out on that and nobody talked about the linebacker coach that we talked about a lot yesterday, so no one has confirmed that report yet. Keenan Singleton did on Twitter. Oh did he? He did. He said a source told him that is confirmed. okay. It was interesting because and maybe he's not the linebacker coach then because Zach Taylor specifically said in his press conference that they don't have a linebacker coach in yet. And maybe that was just you know play, playing it off with the media because he's not official, but he did say that.
2: He did, and uh, you're right. So let's wait for the official word tomorrow and let's finalize this thing.
1: Yeah, we'll have an update on the coaches for you tomorrow. We might get back to our positional review as well. We're having a quick episode here today on Lockdown Bengals. That is your Combine Summary, day one in the books. Tomorrow we start getting athletic testing and we have measurements coming in for another group of positions. We'll see you then, Bengals fans. Have a good one.
0: Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that